Hello there, and welcome to another amazing and outstanding, if I do say so myself, episode of Unapologetic Divas. Um, the four of us have have gathered in our, I, I don't know, in just our talkativeness and our wonderfulness and just ready to express and explore. Does everyone want to say hello? Hello. Hello. <laughs> These ladies are the most wonderful ever. Okay, so I know that today we have decided to cover the topic of women who have influenced you. And I feel like it is a really, really huge topic because um, there are so many women that we have encountered in our lives. And one of the questions that one of these beautiful divas, Miss Rana, had posed is, are we talking just famous people or are we talking, you know, people in our lives or, you know, people not known? And I'll, honestly, there are so many unsung heroes that are definitely not famous that, that have impacted our lives. I think it's fair game for any woman who has um, influenced. Um, in all honesty, the first woman who I feel like truly influenced me besides the ladies in my family, obviously my mother and my grandmother, was not actually a lady at all. And this is going to be weird. So I apologize ahead of time, ladies. But the first woman to like really, really inspire me, um, her name was Madam. And she was from, she was a character out of Langston Hughes poetry. And, mm-hmm. and so when I was in, when I was in junior high school, I was exposed to Langston Hughes's poetry to Madam. And Madam has had many, many, many adventures with Madam and her Madam, Madam and the phone company, Madam and um, oh, the census man. So the census man was the first one that I had encountered. And I was just like, oh, I want to be like Madam. So, to tell you how much it impacted me, I can quote you the whole poem still today, or at least the majority of it. Let me not paint myself in that corner. Um, let's see. The census man, the day he came around, wanted my name to put it down. I said, Johnson, Alberta K. He said, Madam, what does the K stand for? I said, K, nothing more. He said, I'm going to put it K-A-Y. I said, if you do, you lie. My mama christened me Alberta K. You leave my name just that way. Furthermore, you can rub out that missus too. I'll have you know I'm Madam to you. And so I know I skipped around in that poem because there actually is more to it. Just the K makes your name too short kind of thing. But it was such like an attitude of this is me. This is who I am. How dare you question it? That I was just like, Lord. So, yes, on the weird topic of women that we're going to talk about inspired us. I think mine is, might be a little bit more off the wall <laughs> with Langston Hughes's Madam as like one of my first influencers. Does anybody else have anyone like, not necessarily like that you would think of is an odd addition to that conversation? Oh, that'd be, um, I'm just, I'm the only one that's weird. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. Um, well, no, weird. I, mean, I wouldn't say weird, but like if you were to ask me about like a fictional woman, I would probably say Wonder Woman. Just I think she's the first female superhero I can think of. So as far as like fictional characters, that's what came to my mind first. Now, did she influence you at all, Deanna? I mean, I think I'm just always in general impressed by women who find the strength and courage to like go toe to toe with a man, like regardless of what discipline or like, you know, circle of influence it is, but just any woman who's like bad enough to be like, I belong here too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Anybody else want to throw anything in there? I don't really, I can't really think of like a, a really, you know, impressive fictional character. Um, I don't know. I like, I like Michonne from The Walking Dead. 
What does that count? Of course. She, it, okay. She so inspires me. Like she makes me want to have a sword. And just like, you know, when that time comes for the zombie apocalypse, that's what I'm reaching for, a sword. You know? And then she, you know, she had Rick in the pocket in the back pocket and she still protected him and the entire village basically. You know, and she never she never was like, No, I'm too tired, you be the man. You you know, she 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 did what she had to do. She took care of everybody and everything. Do you guys not watch The Walking Dead? <laughs> <laughs> that was a real long quiet time. Okay, so I'll I'll be the first one to to throw myself under the bus and say that I have not watched The Walking Dead. Um, Me either, but maybe now I'll check it out. Well, okay. (laughs) I I need to... Okay, so I have a a friend who I know has been on The Walking Dead. And so I feel particularly guilty for not having watched The Walking Dead. You know, because you're supposed to, um, you know... Uh, uh, be part of what your friends are part of. You're supposed to support them and the things that they do. So the fact that I know someone that's been on the show and I didn't watch the show, um, I feel a little extra. <laughs> um, so it's, I'm not going to lie. The first, only like the first three or four seasons are worth watching. Um, but what you can do is if you want to see how awesome she is, all you have to do is type in Michonne on YouTube and you can only see her parts, you know, that's okay too. <laughs> like she's the only one that really matters anyway, right? She really is. She really is. She's she's so cool with her like, you know, badassness and like she just makes you want to grab a sword and just slash slash, you know? Boom. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, that's a fictional character. What about you, April? You got one? I I've I've been trying to think and there's so many that have come to mind and it, it's it's really I think because my my background I have a lot of music and all that so there were a lot of these characters that you you're going through that um, in the musical theater world and um, Eliza Doolittle from My Fair Lady okay hmm um, because you know she was this this person. So they they brought her in off the street. She sold flowers on the street, and the professor was trying to make her into something she wasn't. And she finally had enough, and just you know finally said no. And it ended up being changing the people around her because she was like, okay, I was trying to fit in, but why do I have to try and fit in here? I'm my own person. I know who I am. Trying to fit in your world, I don't know who I am. And um, she was one. And then, you know, y'all, I think we've talked about it. I like Disney a lot. Um, mm-hmm. The movie Brave, uh, Merida. Yes, I love that it's, movie. It's so underrated. I was so happy about that movie <laughs> because it wasn't about finding a prince and happily ever after. It was about this, mm-hmm. this girl who was like, no, this is my life. This is what I want to be. You're not going to tell me what to do. And that was just so amazing because let's face it, the Disney princesses is they're really cool, but they're all like, I want to fall in love. And, blah, blah, blah. and it's like, that is too much. Mm-hmm. That is too much. And Mary, I really, I really, I really loved that part where, um, she wanted to, um, basically challenge the other men mm-hmm. for her own life. Yep. Mm-hmm. I was like, look at look at this girl though. I love her, and then how she, like the damage that was caused between her and her mom, mm-hmm. and then how she tried so hard to repair it. You know, it was it was really it was it was such a wonderful movie, right? And even at the end, she she got to live her own life. You know, it didn't turn out the way mm-hmm. you thought. Okay, I'm gonna do the thing they want me to now. No, it still changed her whole family and changed. And it's like that, right? You know, yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, what about for real people? Oh, I, I have to say, my first 
big girl job, as I like to call it. <laughs> because, you know, you have those jobs where you're doing like working at a baseball park or whatever, but it was after I graduated from college and I got a job <clears throat> and my first boss, she was this firecracker. She was um, older. She was in her 60s when I met her and she was just amazing because she she taught she was a nursing instructor and she just had passion for what she did as a nurse a passion for teaching was so determined that her students were going to walk out the door able to do this job but on the other hand if you didn't meet her expectations god help you it didn't matter if Hmm. you were you know if you're male, female, it didn't matter. She had the same expectations for everybody, you know, and, and she'd have, and the, the minute a student would say, I can't, she'd be like, yeah, I can't, you know, it was always, she had the bar always set really high and just watching what that did, especially for some of the women that came through our program, because some of these women were coming from bad relationships they were trying to come in and do something you know to be able to support themselves and everything and just seeing how supportive she was of that and how much she would you know push them because she'd see it in them that they're just their confidence wasn't there and she would just push that and pull that and and you'd see them just grow and they would come in and I'd kid you not, every single one of them, I'd hear them, I hate this woman. I hate, they, they hated her. But do you know that every single one of them who came out of it now love her to death? Because they saw what she was trying to do and trying to give them by being that person. Because she was hard on them. I'm not going to lie. I, if I would have been one of her students, I would have been terrified. But tough love. But she just saw that potential in them and was like, okay, I'm not going to give you an excuse not to do your 100% because I'm going to give you my 100%. I mean, she got to work at 5 o'clock in the morning and leave until, you know, she was first one there, last one to leave. No matter what. Wow. And it just, that, that is amazing. That just has stuck with me all these years. And I actually, we're still, I'm still friends with her to this day. And um, she had a knee replacement in the midst of this. Um, she's had congestive heart failure all this time. Mm. You know, all these things that, you know, somebody would say, oh, well, I'm done. She's like, because she was so passionate about what she does and, you know, loves what she does, she just kept going. And it was just, she's phenomenal. And I, I, I love her for that because... I, it's just amazing what the they these students have gone on to do because of her. That's amazing. Yeah. So it really is. Yeah. A, lot, a little tough love goes a long way. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever whenever I hear stories like that, I, I can't help but think if maybe she became um what she would have needed when she was younger. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I, and I, I obviously I don't know her and, you know, there's not a lot that you would know about somebody unless they tell you about their past. But whenever I meet people like that, I'm like, I wonder if that was really, or if they, they had somebody in their lives that they, that did that for them and they were inspired to do the same. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's just such a powerful cycle and it's one it's basically really one of the best things that women or really people in general but women especially we offer to the world is that we we are you know born with you know quote unquote maternal instincts and we want to protect everyone and we want to do all these things for other people but a lot of us you know can't right Except we we can only do the best that we can with our children or like our close friends and families. But there are, you know, so many women in the world that reach out to other people and do way more than what they can only do at home. And they 
create this wonderful cycle because it touched you in a way, I'm sure, where you wanted to do the same for other people. So whenever, whenever I think of women like that, I really do think I'm like, okay, I know I want to be that person. I want to be the person that this person was for me, but for other people. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's it really is kind of like that's another way for you to kind of check yourself in a way to where mm-hmm. you look at your actions and then you see, okay, who's looking up to me? How can I be a better person? Mm-hmm. Is this like kind of like the quote unquote code of conduct that this person that I look up to would agree with? Mm-hmm. And how can I fix it if it's not? Right. It's that, it's that mm-hmm. community. You, it's that mirror you hold yourself up to you know at the end of the mm-hmm. and and I'm gonna be honest you know being that I worked for her she held me to that same standard you know it, it wasn't because you know I was just working for her. I wasn't one of her students but because I was working for her, it was the same thing that was same expectation came from me and I I don't know that I've, I I know I've thanked her over the years, but I don't know if I've ever told her how much that's affected my day to day and how I look at how I take care of my students because of that and how I want to set that bar for them because I know how capable they are. They just need somebody to tell them, yeah, you can do this. You are capable. That's wonderful. Yeah. I think you should tell her. I need to. Especially with you know what you said is like with her health problems. I think it I think it would be really awesome if you told her. I need to yeah. I need to call her tomorrow. <laughs> call her tomorrow. <laughs> Definitely. That needs to be number one on your to do list for tomorrow. Absolutely. Yes. What about you, Samawa? Um, as far as um real women in my mm-hmm. life um I don't I don't know that I've had I mean of course again I've had my mom who's been the example of to me of a woman that just does not quit anything like up until about you know uh three years ago or so she always worked at least two jobs like she just always um she always provided um she always found a way um we had a lot of struggles growing up but my mom somehow just made it happen and I didn't always get to see her as much as I wanted to or I'm sure she didn't get to you know do the after school let me help you with your homework kind of thing with me I did that with my brothers kind of in her place but that's because she was so she was she was working (laughs) she was making sure we had food and we had a a roof over our heads you know so I mean in, in one instance I can look and say well you know she wasn't around a whole lot but at that same time she was the only reasons that she was not around was because she was making sure that we were provided everything that we she could to make sure that we lived and survived and had clothes and you know were were you know somehow surviving and eventually thriving you know um things to change over time where we didn't struggle as much and and we moved up in the world so my mom has been always been that um that first and foremost no quit kind of attitude um but at the same time you know how you said Rana to that some women have uh, well people some people have been the or tries to be the the example that they needed uh, mm-hmm. I think that that's why I went into mm-hmm. the field of education because again my mom wasn't really around to be able to help me with my homework and I was kind of figuring it out on my own and I, I was a horrible student I was horrible I didn't I didn't do my homework. I didn't do a lot of projects. I, I I had a bit of authority issues. Like, look, don't tell me to do a project because that's a, that's a way to for me not to do it. Don't, don't tell me I have to because I won't. <laughs> um, so when I graduated um, high school, like the only reason I took the ACT is because my friend Shannon and I used to go to the movies every other weekend, and that heifer was throwing a monkey wrench in our plans by going and taking this test. Oh. Um, <laughs> We were supposed to go to the damn movies that Saturday, and she's trying to go take a test. Look, look, uh, I'll figure out this test and, and take it with you. And then we're going to the movies, bitch. <laughs> quit, quit messing stuff up. So I literally took the ACT one time because 
this 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 woman was messing up our weekend plans um and I I barely got out of high school I had a a 1.7 GPA when I graduated and um again it's it's not because like my mom didn't care or you know she just she was not she didn't have the time necessarily to push me you know I mean I I don't know that it even occurred to her that maybe I didn't need that pushing I was kind of pushing other people but that's why I I went to higher education because once I actually got into college and there was nobody literally telling me what to do um like they didn't care if I did the assignment or not I was gonna get a grade either way um they you know they just they left me to my own devices to figure it out and that ended up being a real kick in the pants for me like a real kick in the ass just girl you got to do it like your mom has been doing it and getting the job done or you're gonna you're gonna fall on your face and nobody's gonna be there to help you up with it and that that was a really big reality check for me but that's why I succeeded so well in higher education so that's why I went to that field because if I can you know tell these kids that are like man school is just not for me I I I hate it I I don't do well in it look I'm a prime example of not doing well in it um and guess what I thrived in it it was new levels of me reaching because I went here so don't let the what you've experienced thus far say what you can do because really you actually don't know yet and so um so I, I really, I, I end up being that person that I probably needed in high school to tell me, hey, this, this could be next levels of you if you try. So. That's, that's really cool because it, you know, we don't, we don't really think about these things when we're younger, but, you know, as adults, we really look back at some of the things that the people around us have done that shaped us into who we are. And your mom let you basically become your own person, become independent, but also very, you know, like you were taking care of everyone else, but you also knew what you needed to do and you figured it out on your own. Maybe you didn't need to go to college, but you know what? You went and did something for you that was like started out as a joke and then you thrived in it, like you said. And that teaches you kind of like your own way of thinking. You you figure out what you want on your own time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really great because, again, she showed you who to, who to be without showing you who to be. She showed you little things and you took it and ran with it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, my, my plan for after high school, you guys, and I think I've, I may have only told April out of all of us but my plan was to become a nun (laughs) no way yeah wow oh my god no freaking way can you guys imagine (laughs) i I couldn't (laughs) see there is no better laugh that you will get from anything oh my this is the best thing ever i'm forever going to remember this now I, I am going to quote unquote Photoshop your face onto oh my a nun. <laughs> and we're do all it. gonna that get a good hilarious. laugh. Do it, do it, do it, and send it to me. Tag me. Oh in my it. god, this is the best thing I have ever heard. Why did I not know this about you? Because let's think about this. This this is so op that is so opposite of who I am. Okay. There is not much that's you know, you might as well say, you know, uh, um, brain surgeon. Because, well, I don't know. I might be closer to a brain surgeon than none. Um, I, I went ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I told my son um, a couple months ago that that was my, you know, my plan after high school, you know, because he's in 10th grade. And so, you know, I, I, he needs to start thinking about where his passions lie or things that he's interested in, you know, so, you know, he can start exploring them. You know, he don't have to choose a career. I'm not trying to put that pressure. But um, I told him, you know, my plan was to become a nun after high school and he he really looked at me so intensely and with a straight face he said mom you know nuns aren't allowed to cuss or to talk back right <laughs> and I said 
yes, yes, I do know that. He's like, you'd have never made it, mom. Like, he was so serious. <laughs> oh, my God. It's the best thing. About- Honestly, that is, I just imagined she was a nun, and I imagined the priest is just, like, shaking his head. Like, guys, please don't listen to what she just said. Oh, my God. I, I even I spent a, I spent a weekend at a convent with the actual intention of just seeing wow. how things went and like seriously that was like I, I think if I do that like I, I don't even know that I gave it a lot of thought but that was my that was my goal after high school <laughs> and just knowing the person that I am now yeah they'd have kicked me out after the first week I really don't think. week I give it twenty four hours what are you talking about. She said week. No, baby. baby you would no last in a week. <laughs> oh my god. I I love this so much. Are you you should you should be a nun for Halloween oh, this year. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. This is the best story I have ever heard. Well, I'm I'm glad I could bring such joy and pleasure. I'm to I'm life. gonna change your name in my phone to the nun. <laughs> oh, don't you dare! <laughs> oh, that sounds like god. a horror movie. Like... Please don't do that. Because it is a horror movie. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh, this is so great, Deanna. I'm sorry. I don't know if you can top this story, but um, <laughs> definitely not. Not not even funny. <laughs> <laughs> all right so you um, tell us i mean there are definitely several that come to mind i've i've been as i've just been kind of reflecting i can acknowledge that i've been very fortunate to have a lot of awesome women in my life but if i had to highlight one um probably my maternal grandmother um both my grandmothers were awesome but this particular one endured um two abusive relationships that she eventually you know was able to get out of and raise five children on her own and I've just always been um you know just inspired by by her strength and resolve that like with or without a partner or you know even having all these little babies look at me and and all their needs and wants and just finding the, the strength and resolve to still to, to provide and make sure that they didn't miss anything um, you know, without having a, a father figure in the home. And they've all, you know, to her credit, they all were very productive. Three, all three of her boys went into the military. Both of her girls became educators. She was a teacher and both of her girls became educators. So um, you know, I think as a young kid, when you kind of look at your mom or you look at your grandma or whatever, initially you're just kind of, you just see them as someone who loves you and you love them back. But as you kind of grow and learn their story and the things that they've overcome and that they've endured, um, I just grew to see her in a, in a different light. Um, and so I always just kind of admired her strength. That's amazing. Um, if you don't mind me asking, whenever, how old were you when you found out about the abusive relationships that she endured and got out of? I'm going to say, like, late high school, early college. Okay. How did you find out? I just think, you know, in general, as I got older, you know, as a kid, at least I feel like in Black families, like, as a kid, as you grow, you eventually escalate from sitting at the kids' table to, like, making it to the adult table at Thanksgiving or Christmas. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You just start to hear, you know, more details and more stories of things that initially they may have, I don't want to say a secret, but just, you know, to protect you and not have you exposed to things too early, um, didn't necessarily share. So, yeah. It just, you know, just kind of came out organically in various conversations. Did she, did she ever talk about that at all in your family? Like herself, did she ever sit you down and talk to you? Or was it something that you just, all of you guys knew? Yes and no. So she never like, well, I don't recall necessarily her distinctly sharing like, don't marry a jerk who beats you. Um, but I think that she would say more so like, know your worth. Don't mm-hmm. settle. Mm-hmm. Wait, you know, wait for the man that's going to treat you well. 
And so it wasn't necessarily that she would share like details of her upbringing as much as just like trying to encourage and uplift me so that I didn't fall into like the same patterns Mm. or like showing me how to be independent. So you don't feel like you have to have a man, you know, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. So in a sense, she was the voice to you that she probably needed to hear in order for her. That is beautiful. Yeah. And of course, you know, I'm sure we all know like that on some level that's generational in the sense of like our grandparents, great grandparents oftentimes weren't necessarily educated or financially stable because they were taught like you're you were created to be a wife and a mother, mm-hmm. you know, so being able I just think about her even in that time breaking the mold and knowing that like, no, I have more to offer. Mm-hmm. And this relationship, especially if it's unhealthy, I can't allow it to be what defines me. Um, and I'm sure also to some extent, and I can't allow my girls to believe that this is what marriage should look like mm-hmm. or that this, you know, this is what your family unit should look like. Yeah. And so if I have to be strong enough to break the mold, then that's, that's what I'll do. That is, that awesome. is wonderful. Yeah, that's all. That's wonderful. Mm-mm-mm. So I know we've talked about fictional people and obviously people that have like women that have helped mold us to who we are um let's see I just a name that I just want to throw out there because especially as a as a southern woman you know um and okay so I I have had an ongoing not struggle but just an ongoing question of just because uh being you know a woman of color but being um being biracial it's 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 been a question uh well, several questions, I guess, because I am very light complected. So some people will recognize that I am black, but others will not. And it's so it's been an ongoing. I don't want to say situation. It's been an ongoing adventure. How about that? That's probably a better way for me to put it, because like like I've been invited to join the Ku Klux Klan, which let me tell you was hilarious. Yes, that was hilarious. But like within my own family, uh, you know, there, there are struggles of, you know, people that have been accepting of, of the blackness of my family, of, of me, and then those who have not. So it's been just kind of an ongoing um, struggle or pull back and forth for a while. And so I've, I've always been interested in women, other women of color that have been, you know, leaders or able to, um, you know, overcome adversity and, and just, you know, not question who they are but to know their value and know their worth and you know just be on that mission to yes just put your stamp on the world and not really you know just to give zero fucks about it you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and so um one of the the women of history that um always stuck out to me and I've, I've done I've read a few books about her um, and if you haven't read any books about her, you should definitely do it. Um, mm-hmm. Marie Laveau, mm-hmm. who was the voodoo queen, high priestess of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And just this woman who, in all honesty, was a hairdresser. Like, the, she was, you know, meager means, a, a woman of color, but she used her influence to make such ripple effects on the world. And... I mean, like the fact that the St. Louis Cathedral would not be here without Marie Laveau is just like, that's something that astounds me. And that's something that I never knew until, you know, putting, uh, again, some research and understanding who she was. But this one woman had such an effect that, look, the St. Louis Cathedral, which is one of the last, one of the last cathedrals that we have here in the United States, it's because of her that it, it still exists. Like, so you never really know... The, the effect that you have on people, on influencing others, and really influencing just, come on, the St. Louis Cathedral. Yeah, I, I, I can't that's even. That's amazing. I didn't know that. You so know, that's, wow. Well, apparently, when she had started, um, you know, uh-huh. when she became a high priestess, um, she wanted to, as she came, you know, kind of up and, and, and got more of a following, she wanted to have a um, some of her rituals in the garden of the St. Louis Cathedral, 
well, the St. Louis Cathedral, little by little, you know, parishioners were not coming. Um, the um, the pastor there thought that the priest there thought that he was going to have to close down the church because no one was coming. And it was just like a catastrophe. He had already put in for relocations, other places. And so she went to him and told him if she could fill his church every Sunday, starting, you know, that next Sunday, if she could fill his church, could she have her practices in the courtyard at night, you know, when, when no one else was around? And he was just like, this, this woman, this woman of color is going to make this, it's never going to happen. Sure, sure, Marie, you can go ahead and do that. If you can fill the St. Louis Cathedral, yeah, you can have that. So she used her influence as a hairdresser to the wealthy and to um, the aristocrats of the time to, you know, oh, well, so-and-so won't find out from me that, you know, you might have been sleeping with, you know, the butler's wife if you do me this favor of going to church. Oh, okay, I can do that. I can do that. You know what I mean? So as a hairdresser, she got all those little tidbits and gossips of information and then she used it, you know, to her benefit, but at that same time for her benefit also was the benefit of keeping a church going. So from that time on up until coronavirus hit, you guys, the church, the St. Louis Cathedral was filled every single Sunday since she made that promise. That's awesome. That's amazing. And it's just like that one, that one woman, that one beautiful woman of color that clearly she she is out of her mind if she thinks that she can do this yes I'll mm-hmm. make this agreement with her because she's not going to be able to do it did it, and she did oh, it. that gives me chill mm-hmm. this. that's amazing yep she that dropped the mic on it so if y'all don't know more about Louis Laveau like she just just even just as a woman and again especially a woman of color to just put forth all of her her might and to yes she got stuff done and everyone not everyone but a good majority of the world just mm-hmm. no she can't do it because she's a woman of color and she just, mm-hmm. she dropped the mic on all of it that reminds me of um it's it's not it's not the same but it's kind of similar to where one mm-hmm. woman of color changed the world So um, a couple years ago, I was um, taking a class and I had to do um, a presentation that a lot of um, PhD students and even some PhD professors came and attended it. Um, And you guys, I'm not a good public speaker in the slightest (laughs) bit. Um, Falsehoods, lies. No, it's true. It really is. Like I get this like weird anxiety thing where like my accent becomes super strong and it sounds like you know those like I don't want to say the word but those like very you know typical Arabs on in the movies um but I did this um I did this presentation about HALA cells um so in the medical field if you don't know what HALA cells are um they are cells from a woman named Henrietta Lacks and mm-hmm. she was a 31-year-old black woman in Baltimore who um, had just had five kids and, well, not just, but she had five kids, was married, and um, she wasn't, well, you know, she wasn't feeling well. She had felt something in her cervix, and so she went to the only hospital in Baltimore that was able to see black patients um, called John Hopkins. And she went in there and Mm -hmm. they put her under without her consent. And they um, basically took a bunch of her cells also without her consent. And they performed that biopsy. And um, they told her that, you know, they took the cells back to the lab. It turned out it was cancer cells. Well, they told her that and they also um gave her like radiation and everything like that and they can they kept the cells again none of this was to her knowledge so one of the doctors that the doctor actually that was treating her he realized that her cancer cells were never dying they just kept 
multiplying over and over and over and over again. They never died. You know, cells, they will die at some point, but hers weren't dying. They just kept multiplying and multiplying. So needless to say, she died um, at age 31, uh, about, I think it was a couple, like six or seven months after she was diagnosed. Um, she passed away because, you know, it was the, the, the tumor was the size of a grapefruit mm. in her cervix. Mm. So fast forward um, a few months or whatever. Now, this doctor started seeing how these cells were just never dying. So he, of course, started to find things to experiment with. So he started telling his, um, basically his colleagues and everything like that. And that's where the HPV vaccine became available because of her cells. And they realized that the HPV virus is actually connected to cervical cancer. And they came up with the HPV vaccine. And then they started finding out how that they can use um, some other vaccinations against some other cells and how they could you know, manufacture all these things. Mind you, John Hopkins is one of the biggest hospitals in America. Mm -hmm. They were making millions of dollars in the 50s. You guys, in the 50s, they were making millions of dollars while her family was literally starving because they didn't have the money and some of her family members were also insanely sick because they were poor and they didn't have healthcare and they didn't have the money to go get seen. Now, fast forward a few years later, this doctor is selling her cells to other countries. Again, nobody knows about this except for the university or the hospital. And her cells were the first cells of their uh, cell, human cells in outer space. They wanted to see what the lack of oxygen in outer space would do to human cells. So they sent her cancer cells to outer space. Wow. So she, behind her cells, were the, it, she is the reason why we have everything that we have right now in the medical field. Everything. Anything from the flu vaccine to the HPV vaccine to the fact that we know that the HPV is connected to cervical cancer. There have been so many of her cells that, were, that have been recreated because her cells won't die that there are now tons, literal tons of cells worldwide. Do you know how many cells you have to have in order for you to make a pound, let alone tons? No. no. A lot. A shit ton. Basically. <laughs> yeah. And so now they're finding out all the... And then what really, really bothers me is the only reason that her family even knew about this was because she, her children were grown at this point, 20, 30 years later, her children in their 30s and 40s. By accident, a lab tech was trying to find out if her children also had that gene. So he had called and he had accidentally slipped up and said, oh, I wonder, while he was taking their blood, he said, oh, I wonder if you have the same mm. cells as your mother. By accident. So then the children were like, wait a minute, what is going on? Well, they went and tried to talk to, you know, John Hopkins Hospital and everything. And finally, it became clear that this whole thing has been theft. And consent became an issue now. Because back then, you know, up until like what, the early 80s, maybe mid 80s, consent in a hospital wasn't really a big mm -hmm. thing because mm -hmm. it didn't matter because technically anything that you donate or the hospital has a hold mm -hmm. of it is no longer yours so whenever you go to give blood it doesn't matter what they do with it it is no longer yours because you just gave it up out of your body so if they wanted to go do research on your blood you have no control over that so that became another thing that America was kind of struggling with was that there is the concept of consent now in hospitals. Like, do I consent mm -hmm. to giving you the ability to do research on the cells that I just gave you? Mm -hmm. Or are you just going to do research mm -hmm. on what I want? You know? 
So, but I just, I, I was amazed when I was reading that. And a lot of people don't know, you know, a lot of people go through med school, they go through like all of these in the medical field, nursing school and everything. Nobody talks about halo cells. All they talk about is the fact that, yep, we are just doing these things and testing, you know, vaccines and medications on cells. Well, whose cells are these? But nobody tells you because it's not, it's not a big deal. So then when the family tried to sue, they wanted to just, um, name one of the buildings after her without any compensation for the family. Mind you, the dad, um, Henrietta's um, husband passed away because of complications um, with diabetes because he didn't have the ability to go get checked out or have any medications or whatever. And so they, and they were still during this process of, of them suing they still weren't able to get a hold of anything. They had no say over what happens to their mother's cell. Nothing. <clears throat> and then finally they won the case and they were able to now have a little bit of relief, you know, but it took years. It took 30, 40 years. And it was by accident they even knew. Had that lab tech not slipped up, they would have never known. Right. And then um, a, a book was written about her. A movie was written about her, uh, was done about her where um, I think it was Oprah that played her. I think I haven't seen the movie. I did read the book, though, but it is it is astonishing to me what one woman could create. She literally created mm-hmm. life for us, you know, because all of the inoculations and the medications and everything, most of that wouldn't be here if it weren't for her. And it sucks that she had to pay a really heavy price, um, which is her life, to let us all be here. But it took one black woman to do this. And her cells are still being used to this day. Well, I mean, that, that's just like Lucy. It has now come about that we all come from Lucy, who is a black woman in Africa. All of life has, you know, been shown to come from this one source. And I, I think that we as women, we are we are taught that not, not to acknowledge that. I mean, mm-hmm. we are the only entities on this planet that are true life givers. You know, I mean, like it, it does take a, a man to make a seed, but it's a woman to carry a child and to carry. Oh, gosh. All. Let's think about any type of family that you know. It has been the woman who has been the rock behind it. The one to bring people together. The one to um, stop arguments and fights. And it, it, A woman has been the glue of all of mankind, womankind, since Lucy. And I, I, I think that we, we don't even realize the power mm-hmm. that we have as women just the effect that we have on everything that is in existence as women we have affected it all we are powerful creatures you guys I just want to make sure that that you know that for sure you are a powerhouse if no one tells you on a daily basis as they should you are wonderful and you are magical, phenomenal. You keep things going and moving and do not ever give yourself enough credit. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Preach it. I love that. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Why is it that I, I never want I our podcast to end? I don't. We lo- I love it too. This is like the highlight of my Sunday. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Is there anything that I know we're getting close to our time and, you know, we could start all over again and be happy and content to do it. But um, is there anything that anyone wants to leave our listeners with before we end our podcast? Um, I want to say that no matter what happens, you are stronger than you think you are and 
you will make it and you will be great and you will succeed and that little rough spot that you're in right now there is light at the end of the tunnel so just hold on I'd like to say to the to the ladies and well if the men that are listening to this too it is so important to find your tribe like um it I think a lot of us have been loners for a while and yes you can exist and you know flourish to an extent by yourself and of your own um you know traits and your own accord and and how you maneuver in this life but finding people that you can connect with that will understand you that will lift you up that will pray for you that want to see you just like out of the atmosphere succeed in every single thing that you attempt to do it is important to find those don't give up finding them And to piggyback on that, in addition to the importance of finding your tribe, also always keep in mind there is someone out there who needs you. Your tribe needs you. And so even though there may be times where you think that you're not making a difference or, you know, that nobody's noticing or you don't matter, know that there is always someone watching, someone learning, someone benefiting from you. That's beautiful. I love that. That's such Absolutely. a wonderful thought in such dark times. And just remember you are an mm-hmm. Speak on it. Warm Yes. All right, ladies. No, it was just me saying Go ahead. I'm sorry. I just Warm fuzzy. Warm fuzzy. Warm fuzzy. <laughs> All the warm fuzzies. Yes. Let them be drizzled upon you. Yes. We need to make that like maybe a signature line at the end of every podcast. Let the warm and fuzzies glow. I don't know. Something. We may have to work on that. (laughs) Well, all right, wonderful ladies. I am, you know, unwillingly going to let you go. But this has been so much fun as it always is. And thank you so much for everything that you do each and every day. Thank you, Samana. All right. Until next time. Be wonderful, ladies. Bye. Have a good night.